0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: and Susan's latest book, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at the Wise Woman University. But you can also just go to her website, SusanWeed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you and welcome, Susan.
2: Thank you, just see, and We've got to record that. Because I have just finished indexing my latest book. Well, I haven't really finished. That's round one on the index. Now I have to get in there and get it into some kind of shape, just to give you some sense of that. There might be um, the word dandelion or nettle. And in index it might appear as nettle leaf or nettle or singing nettle or nettle with a capital N, or nettles, or stinging nettles, so I have to gather all of those together and get them to conform to each other to make a reasonable index for all of us. Hey, Rebecca, how are you?
3: I'm doing good. Just uh, slowing down and getting into blog talk mode. (laughs)
2: Uh. (laughs) Let's see, are both boys um, uh, being homeschooled or either one going off to school?
3: We did try um, some homeschooling and I was becoming very overwhelmed with uh, the prospect of having them at home. So we are trying our neighborhood school this year. My son, my older son was the one that wanted, he wanted to switch schools and not be in his other school. So we're going to try this one and see how it goes. And um, yeah, I'll <laughs> it's uh, it's up in the air right now. what's going to happen, but I, I'm, it's a good school, and like, uh, and he'll be in school with all the kids in the neighborhood, which he wasn't before. He was in a um, uh, a charter school that was up the hill from from the from the town that we live in. So it was kind of removed. So we'll see how it goes. I'm hmm. I'm feeling good about it.
2: <laughs> I've certainly seen the word charter school in newspaper articles and magazine articles, but. I don't really know what it means. What's a charter school?
3: So this is a public charter school. It's called Family School, and um, it was a school that was started by a group of parents about just over 20 years ago, and it used to have, like, a whole lot of involvement. And as those parents, you know, their kids transitioned into other schools, the, the school went through a lot of changes, and the, the year that we went into that school, they moved locations, and so they were kind of reestablishing themselves, and um, my son's teacher, he was in the class for two years, this last one, and, yeah, it just... Uh, they she's getting ready to retire and then she was splitting the classroom with somebody else and th- the school's just going through a lot of transitions but they, they we thought that they would have more of an alternative curriculum but they actually use pretty much what is core curriculum so it wasn't like that much of an alternative school whereas some of the other charter schools around will have a more um alternative curriculum like some of them are waldorf based or montessori based but this one um is not
4: yes, it's really
2: interesting <clears throat> to look back in the past and to see, and the children weren't <clears throat> all trained in the same thing, they were individually trained in the craft or <clears throat> the trade that they were actually going to be in as a matter of fact, one of the things that made people angry at Socrates was that he was holding school and only loose young men went to school. Hmm. It was a dalliance. It meant you weren't learning to do something productive, needed for your community and your society.
3: Mhm.
2: So what a, um, a real turnaround we've had about that.
3: Mhm. Yeah.
2: And it was interesting yeah. seeing... Because Monica Jean's homeschooled, but homeschooled nowadays because it's such an option for so many. When I homeschooled, it was just like me homeschooling. And um, basically, all I had to do was make sure the school didn't think that we were being truant and everything was okay. But now you have to fill out all these forms and take all these tests online. And so we were looking over the results, you know. And at 11, Monica Jean is, you know, reading um, as well as most 16, 17 year olds.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is when they're at home they end up reading a lot more. My son right. loves to read. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh so does she use a curriculum at all? I was I was curious about that.
0: Nope.
3: No, Not no really. curriculum at all. Not Some really. Online. Yeah, huh. You know. Interesting.
2: I have always believed that human beings want to learn. I believe, in fact, that it's a defining characteristic of
5: humans—that
2: mm-hmm. unquenchable curiosity. What's under here? What's over there? What, what happens if I do this? Mm-hmm. For the whole story of humans on this planet, it's been about our curiosity, hasn't it? Yes. So I try. And that. that's what I love.
3: Yeah, I love about herbal medicine is, like, it just keeps it just keeps going and going. So. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right, it keeps our curiosity ever fresh. And you don't yeah. have to follow a curriculum yeah. to learn about herbal medicine. No. Your curriculum is how you're living in a body. There's going to be some disturbances. Oops, you cut yourself. Uh-oh, you burned yourself. Ooh, what did you eat? Now you're throwing up. Right? <laughs> Welcome to life in the body. Herbs are here for <laughs> us. <laughs> So, And you don't have to learn them in alphabetical order or by curriculum or even know that plantain is an astringent vulnerary. When I started teaching herbal medicine, that was lesson one. Here are the terms, and we will learn the terms. And I look back on that, and I go, oh, well, you had to start somewhere.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: But it certainly isn't what I consider important now.
3: Yeah, I just noticed that that's a lot of what is being still taught by a lot of different teachers out there. But um, yeah, I mean, I appreciate knowing that about the plants too. But there's something deeper, you know, like just being with the plants and learning about them in a different way of uh, using them on a daily basis and opening up to kind of the subtle energy fields of them.
2: We learn well, you a lot remember more like that. that. You remember that teacher, that mathematics teacher, uh, <clears throat> Mr. Travis, who was so formative in my life, he gave us an open book test and he failed me even though I got all the answers right because I didn't open the book. Mm-hmm. And I uh, you know, confronted him and said, how can you possibly fail me? I got all the answers right. He said, you didn't open the book. I said, I didn't need to open the book. He said, you must learn to leave the information that's in the books in the books and not in your mind. Use your mind for more exciting things. Huh. I'm like 12 years old. Yeah. You know, and it's like, whoa, okay. You know, Mm -hmm. and we didn't have, you know, Harry Potter and Star Wars and all of these images of understanding that Sometimes the information that's most important to your life comes in a very mundane way,
3: mm-hmm.
2: through being flunked on a test. Hmm.
4: hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Tonight. Interesting. Tonight mm-hmm. we have Lorraine Van Twiel, who did not flunk her test. She is a licensed holistic psychologist. She does depth hypnosis work she is a woman speak circle leader and the award-winning author of amazon wisdom keeper a psychologist memoir of spiritual awakening hmm. stay tuned come back at nine o'clock my time the amazon wisdom keeper lorraine van Tuyel, will be with us and you'll want to be too
3: Yeah, so that sounds good, and we have a lot of people on the line still with us. So let's (laughs) get going. Make sure to press 1 to speak with her, and we will go to the first caller in the 718 area code.
2: Hello, 718, are you there?
0: Yeah. Hi, Susan. Sorry, hi. Sorry, I didn't realize I was talking to myself. Okay. Um, I just came back from an eye doctor appointment and the eye pressure is a little bit higher than usual. And my eyesight has been diminishing. And I was wondering which, like, you know, vegetables or which herbs would be ones that would be more specific for um, healing and health, you know, for the eyes.
2: There's a lot of different things that can go on with the eyes.
0: Okay, so I, um, I the, called you like, a long time The herb that ago. is
2: specific yeah. for pressure buildup in the eye is cannabis.
0: Cannabis, okay.
2: Mhm. And it has been used for thousands of years for that specific thing. Okay. I prefer to use cannabis as a plant to put it into some nice glass receptacle and to burn it and inhale that smoke. Inhaling Mm. burning smoke is actually good for the lungs. We have been misled into thinking that it was inhaling the burning smoke of tobacco that was bad for the lungs, but there's other things Mm -hmm. in tobacco that are actually problematic, not the hot smoke, which is actually quite healing to the lungs. And it specifically opens up the blood vessels in the eyes and lowers the pressure.
0: So that would be great.
2: Uh-huh. Okay. And most people when they think of the eyes think mm-hmm. vitamin A. Okay. And there's an interesting in my mind at least connection between vitamin A which is one of the few things that's stored in the liver. Vitamin A and vitamin D are stored in the liver and that's it. And some sugar. And The eyesight, and in Asian and especially Chinese medicine, the qi from the liver goes to the head and to the eyes. And if it is too strong, then there are headaches, especially headaches around the front of the eyes or sickness problems. And if it's too weak, then the pressure builds up in the eye. So herbs that are rich in carotenes and herbs that are good for the liver are usually thought to be very helpful for any kind of problem going on with the eyes. And those, just to be easy about it, Mm -hmm. are small, darkly colored fruits, frozen, or well-cooked. Okay. Okay. Also, herbally, things like that, shisandra berries, amla berries, elderberries, are also tinctured and used in the same way. I think it's more fun to eat my medicine. hmm
0: And what was that first type of berry? I never heard of that before. Amla. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, amla is a berry from India. It's actually mm-hmm. a kind of, um, I think it's a kind of gooseberry.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: It's it's one of the herbs in triphala, perhaps the most famous of all the Ayurveda, Ayurvedic remedies, which it's kind of, you know, triphala is kind of like the it's three herbs, tri-triphala, that are given together, to, you know, basically as a panacea to help everybody's anything. Oh. And mm-hmm. amla certainly is one of the nicest of those. Like hibiscus, it's quite sour. You can make an infusion of it. You can make an infusion of amla berry. Mm-hmm. but it's pretty sour, and I, so I usually dilute it back if I'm going to do it that way. Okay. Since it's not available to me fresh, I only use it as a tincture or as an infusion because I can only buy it dried.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: But then uh, the other small berries like blueberries and blackberries and raspberries, uh, you know. Mm.
0: Okay, I definitely could go, you know, a little bit more on my berries right now.
2: Yeah, and cherries, um, and again, be sure that they're frozen mm-hmm. or well-cooked.
0: Okay, cherries. Okay, so we're gonna walk up. And I'm just wondering if this another like I think it's also liver related, but I'm not sure. I have like lately a lot of gas, gassiness, and very um, unusual like downward and outward pressure through the anus. Like I'm having bowel movements, but I, I, I can't even like that's pretty much the symptoms that I feel, and I'm just wondering, is that also a liver, um, like, you know, meaning like, you know, that the liver is weak or?
2: The liver mm-hmm. produces bile, but because the liver can't store things, it, okay. has, a, it has a gallbladder where it stores the bile. Uh-huh. The liver also produces some enzymes which can go into the blood and help digest the food. Bio is a surfacant. It breaks fat into small pieces just like your dish soap does if you're mm-hmm. washing greasy plates and it helps those to be digested and digestible. The formation of gas in the intestines can have something to do with that, but it's mm-hmm. usually more the presence of some kind of indigestible fiber, indigestible fiber is very healthy, but indigestible fiber also causes certain bacteria in the gut to have parties. Mm-hmm. And they burp a lot when they have parties, and that's what you call gas. Okay. Jerusalem and what- artichoke, oh. the miracle food that never takes off. Every generation discovers Jerusalem artichoke. It's like the perfect food. You know, it's like a a potato. It's a weed. It's easy to grow. You can cook it a million ways. It tastes good. Mm -hmm. It's great. And a fart in every bite. Wow. Because it's loaded with indigestible fiber, and nobody escapes the Mm -hmm. Jerusalem artichoke. Right, you watch you and watch the cycle. You'll see they're not in stores now. Three years or so will pass. They'll be in stores again. People will find mm-hmm. themselves silly. They'll disappear. I've seen them come and go. They're like so the waves of so <laughs> artichokes. They're wonderful. Mm-hmm. I just can't be around each other if you eat them. Mm-hmm. So I would think more toward improving gut flora. Okay. And I would. Oh. Think of that both from getting more moldy, mushroomy, fermented things in my diet like blue cheese and cooked mushrooms and Mm -hmm. homemade beers. You know, there are even fermented cannabis things, Mm
0: -hmm. and that
2: might work for your eyes if you don't want to smoke.
0: Okay,
3: wow, this was really good. To me.
0: I have to tell you, Susan, I was like ready to cry on my way home. And I'm like, I know it's Susan night tonight. I think I'll, that's my only chance of feeling better. And I'm already like, I, I feel like to be proactive is so much more positive, And I can't even thank you enough for all this. Um, so just one more dependence. thing, though. Yeah, sure.
2: And that is one of the things that our minds do, minds do to mm-hmm. protect us is when they hear something bad, they keep repeating it. Pressure, okay. in pressure in your eyes. Pressure in your eyes. There's pressure in your eyes. And we wow. have to take active steps to shut it up. Okay. You have to create an affirmation or a visualization. Or something if it's if it's very, very strong, then I just choose a color. If you know, if it's that like primitive if I'm really, really upset mm-hmm. when that thing starts going around in my mind then I just Use a color and I say the okay. name of the color and I fasten my eyes on the color and I just become that color until my mind turns off because it does, you know, it likes to slip from thing to thing.
1: Okay, well, that's, don't,
2: definitely... don't let what the doctor said to you that freaked you out be the thing that's going around in your mind. Okay, you choose something else to be the thing that's going around your mind. Every day, I am relaxing the pressure in my eyes. Every day, I am more grateful for what I can see. Mm,
0: I like that one. Okay.
2: Thank you. You're Gosh. welcome. Thanks for calling. Thank Green blessing. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Have a good night.
3: The next color is coming from the 215 area
6: code. Hi, Susan. I have two quick questions. Uh, The first one was for the nourishing herbal infusions. Are they hydrating or do I need to drink water in addition?
2: Don't drink water. Water does not hydrate. The idea that you need to drink two quarts of water a day, in addition to any other drinks, was thought up by an advertising salesman to sell bottled water.
6: Okay, so the nourishing herbal infusions are hydrating in themselves.
2: Nourishing herbal infusion is far more hydrating than water will ever be. I don't drink water. I take water away from my apprentices. I suggest to people that they stop drinking water. I've even said at times that people are addicted to drinking water. Your ancestors certainly did not drink water. Okay. A quart of nourishing herbal infusion, unless you live in a very extreme environment, is plenty of fluid for your body during the day. If you want to add to that one fun drink, like you want a cup of green tea, you want to have a cup of Rubus, or a cup of hot chocolate, certainly um, don't be strict with yourself. Other than that, you get plenty of fluid from the food that you eat and actually from the atmosphere.
6: That's awesome. And then then I um, wanted to know, for bitter herbs, can that cause um, an increase in a desire to eat and weight gain? I have a friend that started on some herbs and is doing bitter herbs, and that's what she told me.
2: Bitter herbs is too general a term for me to be able to... Make a reasonable reply to that. Perhaps your friend could call me with the formula of what she's taking and let me know what the herbs are, and then I could talk to her about that.
6: I don't know what some of them are, but she did mention one specifically. She said ashwagandha, which I was surprised.
2: Ashwagandha is actually known as the sleepy herb. It's the root of a plant in the tomato family. <clears throat> and it, it you know is pretty good at helping people calm down and rest. Usually what causes weight gain is um eating.
6: Yeah, and okay, so I need to tell her to call in because she said some of the bitter herbs that she was to be taking were causing her to get a ferocious appetite, and as a result, she was gaining weight.
2: I would suspect that if one had a ferocious appetite and sat down to four cups of leafy greens some of them wild greens and some of them cultivated, addressed with at least two tablespoons of organic extra virgin olive oil, that you would not gain weight. Huh, okay. Does she drink nourishing herbal infusions?
6: That I don't know. What I do know is that... I know that um, a lot
2: of people tell me that they find that their weight really stabilizes once they make the nourishing herbal infusions a daily companion.
6: Ah, okay. I know that she's taking herbs for uh, perimenopause and irritability. Sorry, there is no sleep such mood. thing as
2: perimenopause. Just okay. as there is no such thing as peri-puberty, she is in menopause, and men are trying to deprive her of that power by telling her it's peri, it ain't peri. Please okay. mind her she is embarking on one of the most powerful journeys of her life, and taking bitter herbs and putting her her health in the hands of other people is not a good first step on that path. And please do have her call me.
6: I will. Okay, thank you.
2: You're welcome. Green blessings. Good night.
6: Green
0: blessings.
3: The next caller is coming from the 202 area code.
0: Yes, good evening, Susan. Thank you for taking my call. My name is Julia, and I'm a newbie in this journey, navigating through herbal support space. And my key question for tonight is related to the method of tincture preparation by companies that are selling such tinctures. Now, even if I find a pure alcohol tincture, God forbid, no glycerin added, the label reads extraction. Now, here's the question. Does it mean that the leaves were pressed to expel the juice and then the alcohol was added? Or does it mean that the leaves were duly soaked for six weeks in alcohol? What is your general recommendation on places to buy properly made, high-quality tinctures? Thank you.
2: You're welcome. My preference is that you make your own tinctures from the plants right outside your door. It's really easy and fun to do barring that, or that you need something right away. Catskill Mountain Herbals makes tinctures (laughs) from fresh plant material in 100-proof vodka, letting them sit for six weeks or more. I know Whitefeather, who does the work for decades now, and she is one of the most conscientious and loving people that I have ever had the grace to meet. That's Catskill Mountain Herbals. Wonderful, um,
0: wonderful. Some time ago,
2: there was a wonderful apprentice group here, and Mm -hmm. they didn't know each other, the five of them, before they got here, but they really, really became a strong clan while they were here, and they decided to all leave together and go in search of some community. Two of them wound up living at a community, and they started an herbal business there called Red Moon Herbs. Neither one of them is currently working with the business. They do still use fresh herbs, but they decided that it was important to have organic alcohol, and they couldn't get organic 100-proof vodka, so they, they decided to use organic grain alcohol. Just about everybody else, with some exceptions here and there, uses dried plant material. One of the primary exceptions is herb farm run by Herbal Ed, and he makes wonderful tinctures. I argued with the man for years and years and years about using fresh plant materials, and he kept saying, well, you can't get the ratio of water to plant material right if you just use the fresh plant, and I kept saying, variability, Ed, it's okay, just go with it. And so now he really does do some fresh plant tinctures. You'll have to look. Herb Farm, P-H-A-R-M, is his brand. It's in most major stores that are selling things, the major stores of course to avoid are like the big big stores and none of their herbal products are worth while at all and then in between are even reputable companies who are using dried herbs often powdered which they pour high proof alcohol often called grain alcohol through uh, one or two passes, they're not allowed to sit together because they want to pull a specific set of uh, alkaloids I'm using vodka and letting it sit for a long time because I want things other than the poisonous parts of the plant.
0: Susan, thank you so much. I was writing down as you were talking, and Catskill Mountain Herbs would be on my list to go now.
2: Yes, Catskill uh, Mountain Herbals.
0: Herbals, herbals. Herbals. Thank you. Catskill
2: Mountain Herbals. All right. Green blessings. Good night. Mm
0: -hmm. So... um, Yeah, growing plants by myself is a little bit challenging because I live in a small town. So that would be a question. But buying some. Well, you know what?
2: What I what I can tell you is that if you take a vacation in the country for a weekend in Mm -hmm. the a weekend in the summer and a weekend in the fall, Mm -hmm. that in those six days you will be able to make about seventy five percent of all the remedies you'll ever need.
0: Amazing. That's a good approach. Thank you.
2: Green blessings.
0: Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Good night. Oh, fucking excuses. I love
3: it. The next caller is coming from the 919 area
2: code. Hello. 919, we're listening for you.
3: Well, there are two nine one nine. Oh, one of them just hung up. The one that I was going to go to, but they'll call back in. Hello. We'll give the. Hi. Oh, there you are. Hi. Sorry. <laughs> it's pretty funny because I'm pretty sure the other nine one nine is my husband, who I told to call in. <laughs> I, thought I thought it was.
5: I thought it was, I mean, I was maybe, <laughs> um, So... I had a question. Okay. Um,
3: some of my older teachers, I have used grain um, alcohol, like uh, probably a couple of years old. How How do you feel about
5: before I learned your practices?
3: Um, are you are you kind of of the what What did you thought about them I? Should I just
0: use them in small amounts? Can you say I should
2: use them in law? Um, yeah. Just a question. Rather than asking me, because I'm not the authority on your body, what I would suggest, suggest is that you ask your body. Okay. I will tell you that somebody specifically asked me to make for her a milk thistle seed tincture in grain alcohol, and I did. And it didn't. Wind up going to her, I won't go into it. It was okay. um but I had it sitting there on my shelf, and then my daughter said, "When you come to Costa Rica, bring me some milk thistle seed tincture. So I didn't think anything of it. I just put some in a four ounce bottle and carried it with me to Costa Rica and she took like you know a little bit of it, and she went, "'Oh my God, are you trying to kill me? What is this and I said milk supposed to think you asked for it. She said, what, what, what? I said, oh my gosh, it must be the stuff I made in the grain alcohol. And her body was just like shuddering. Oh, interesting. So that's what I would think.
5: Hey,
2: buddy, uh, you know, are you copacetic with this? Can we use this? How much of this can we use? You know, it's so interesting
3: hearing those types of stories because I feel like my body must just I I never have any dramatic responses, like which is not necessarily a bad thing. I kind of like even. It doesn't I'm
2: necessarily reading, have to be bad, it can be kind of an inkling.
5: Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm still in that process of I think learning to listen
4: to those Yeah, do like you know the, do you know the book ish? Which one?
2: I-S-H-ish. No. It's about a a child who says, a young child who says, look, I drew a house. And the older child says, that's not a house. And the little kid, you know, is dismayed and throws it away and then comes and says, look, I drew a horse. And the bigger kid says, that's not a horse. And the little kid is discouraged. And this goes on for page after page. And then toward the end of the book, another younger kid is taking all the drawings out of the trash. And naming them, oh, house-ish, horse-ish, (laughs) flower-ish, and appreciating them for what they are.
5: I like that. Yes, it's a book I
2: really cherish. I I think it's very true to what most of us experience in life, that life is ish. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And just paying, it's like actually
3: getting in tune with with what that is for you is a process, but yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. Thank you. You are welcome. And people tell me that the more they drink nourishing herbal infusions, the easier it is to hear those messages from their bodies.
3: Cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a year deep in nourishing herbal infusions and I love them. And I would, I, I, you know, drink them every day. So I'm grateful to you for teaching us all about them.
2: Good for you, green blessings.
3: Thank you, good night.
2: Good night. night.
3: The next caller is coming from the 262 area code. Hello, Susan. Hi. Hello. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Great. Um, I... Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, I have a, I'm have dealing with a pretty serious um, health condition, and I listen to your show all the time, um, and I've been waiting for the right moment to call. <laughs> um, so I'm drinking nourishing herbal infusions. I have been for almost three years now. I study with uh, Linda Conroy up here in Wisconsin. Um, she's been so, so, so helpful. Um but what's been going on is I've been having violent vomiting episodes since June, about three or four a month, and they're picking up in frequency. Um, sometimes it's accommod- it's um accompanied by diarrhea. And I after a three day spent a few months ago I went to prompt care because I was just so freaked out. Um and they have done a fecal test, a blood test, um, para, you know, checked for parasites, checked for infection. There was no infection, um, no parasites. Everything came back negative and normal. And they get, they sent me to have an ultrasound done on my um, gallbladder. Um, gallbladder disease does run in my family. And, I went and had the ultrasound done, and they said everything looks perfect. My gallbladder, my spleen, my um, stomach, my kidneys, my liver. They said everything looks great. And um, then they scheduled me with a GI specialist in two months. However, um, you know, I have a lot of, ex- lot of experience dealing with the, the medical, um, Western medical stuff, and a lot of times I've been burnt by it. Um, however, this does feel like it's something that is a little out of hand. Um, and my question for you is about um, specifically this. I was I was researching these uh, cyclical vomiting type syndromes, and there's one that I found called cannabinoid immensis um, disorder, um, something like that. I'm not sure if I'm saying it right, but basically it's talking about how people who are chronic long-term users of marijuana um, start having reactions very similar to what um, I've been experiencing. And I'm just wondering what your sense would be about that, or um, how I could move forward working with the steps that, um, you know, remaining grounded in my own body and making my own decisions.
2: Um, yes. What hasn't worked?
3: I haven't. So I've been using a lot of dandelion. So basically there are a lot of things that have worked, but only in quelling the episodes once they begin. Um, and I've used chamomile and peppermint tea um, at Linda's suggestion once I start feeling mm. the pain in my stomach.
2: As far, come as, on, and- as far as I'm concerned, all of these herbs are in the wrong direction. Oh. I would never give okay. anyone who's throwing up any herb that contains volatile oils. Okay. I would use only bland herbs like comfrey leaf, linden, marshmallow, plantain, mm. Slippery elm. Mm-hmm. I have been drinking. But dandelion is just going to make it worse. Oh, interesting. I'm I, I'm a little unsettled by. Um, you need to create a diagnostic story. Hmm. You have Mm -hmm. just put yourself through a whole series of tests, all of which say everything is normal and okay. Maybe it could just be normal and okay, and we could find what herbs will help you. Mm
5: -hmm.
2: Maybe we don't have to pathologize this. Maybe we could just say whatever is going on has flunked its pathology.
5: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: It's almost as though you want to have a disease.
3: I am having a lot of fear and the fear of um, every time I eat now, it's starting to it's starting i'm I'm just lightly aware of like, Oh, I wonder if this is gonna make me sick and two day, yesterday i and what affirmation do
2: you use when you hear yourself thinking that
3: that I'm gonna be sick
2: that you're gonna be sick, yes, your body believes every word you think, yeah. Again, for whatever reason, you seem to have a desire to pathologize this. I don't think it needs to be. I think you are sick to your stomach about something. Yeah, definitely. And what I would suggest, besides the soothing, nourishing herbs, is to start every day by getting up, standing on your feet, really feeling yourself standing firm, clenching your fists under your chin, and then bending forward from the waist as you extend your fingers as far as you can and go... Blah, with your tongue sticking out. Okay. Get the jump on it. Your body wants to go blah, start your day with blah. That's so interesting that you say that. Blah, and then stop being afraid of it. You just did it.
4: Yeah.
3: That's that's interesting that you'd say that in the morning because um, since this has been going on, I've been having a hard time waking up in the morning and feeling really
6: sluggish and depressed.
2: Well, as my teachers all said to me, "Cut out, create an affirmation, create a visualization." your choice mm-hmm. change your mind change your body posture change the story you are telling yourself and work with those nice soothing herbs I'm especially enjoying Marshmallow these days it was one of Dr. Christopher's favorites I have seen Slippery Elm remove very subtle poisons from the body.
3: Mm. Okay. Okay. You don't think it could have anything to do with, uh, you haven't heard of reactions to marijuana How much in that cannabis?
2: way? How much cannabis are you eating? Too much.
3: <laughs> I well,
2: then cut it much. out. You don't need me to tell you that. Yeah. Stop eating it altogether. Yeah. It's really bad for your health to eat it.
3: Oh no, I haven't been eating it; just smoking it.
2: If you think you're smoking too much, smoke less. Yeah. (laughs) Right.
3: Definitely. Okay.
2: Make it a ritual. You can't have that first puff until the sun is over the yard arm, or whatever you decide to do. Many people Mm do a sunset bowl. Make it something special. Give it a special place in your life. It will reward you. Okay. All right. Thank you. And green blessings. Good night.
3: Green blessings. Good night. And the next caller is coming from the four, the eight four five area code.
2: Hello there, 845. Oh, yeah, I know. Our whole area has such poor service, doesn't it? Nope, I can't hear you a bit.
3: We'll come back to 845. Let's go to the 216 area code. Hello? Hello?
7: Yes, hi. My name is Patricia, calling from Ohio. Hello, Susan. Hey, Patricia. I'd like to find out some info uh, first regarding frankincense to be used. Uh, I'm trying to figure out what would be most effective for stage 0 to 1 uh, breast cancer uh, in one breast. Um, which one would be most effective uh, be it the oil and the herb powder, along with uh, ingesting turmeric or by itself or together?
2: I don't think either of them will have any effect.
7: Okay. Wasting your time and your money. Okay.
2: I find Hmm. turmeric virtually useless for most Americans. Certainly for the vast majority of white people, turmeric just does not work. And it doesn't generally work against breast cancer anyhow. Do you have my book, Breast Cancer Question Mark Breast Health Exclamation Point, The Wise Woman Way? No. That would be a good starting place. I also have a course at Wise Woman School. I think it's wisewomanschool.com. And it's called A Cancer Diagnosis, Help Yourself, The Wise Woman Way. And I go first of all into um, how to um, help yourself when you're really afraid, and to um, you know really start to be able to see a little more clearly. Have you gotten a second opinion?
7: Yes, uh, and then uh, they're saying uh, even though they uh, have a they believe in some nutrition, but still supposedly. Now, because uh the cancer is a fast growing one when i
2: uh, when I say a second opinion, your pathology has it been read by a second person?
7: Yes, that's what I'm saying, okay uh, and uh they're saying a total mastectomy of the breast that had the cancer and then start taking that um what do you call those um you know, that's that's one of them mm-hmm. to save the other, mm-hmm. and it's like, and I have uh, so I have not said anything uh for both of it because mm-hmm. I'm not agreeable with the mastectomy, uh, total mastectomy, and uh, I've had uh a partial um, partial the lumpectomy. And, uh, so the can so, the you know, cancer
2: has been removed. You had a lumpectomy.
7: So well, yes, that was what last year. Now earlier this year, from that latest um, mammogram, they're saying that it was still there. So I or she now it's at a small stage, like and I described it like salt granules, so it can't even be seen with the naked eye. So it's just you know a big guess. Uh, okay, oh, so now an
2: opinion I'm with a second. to hospital. understand a little more what you're talking about. I thought that you had just gotten the diagnosis, but the original no. diagnosis was over a year ago. As the that- diagnosis
7: came in fall 2017. I had surgery in May of last year.
2: Of last year with a lumpectomy with clear right. margins, but you've been going back for monitoring, and the most recent mammogram has seen some speckles in the mammogram, which they say is the cancer coming back. Mm-hmm. And you're looking for what to do to, to, uh, to make sure that this point. cancer does not come back. And during the past year, you've been doing what things to prevent metastasis or recurrence?
7: Uh. Uh, I've been really increasing my nutrition. Uh, more green vegetables, oh, well, all the vegetables raw as much as I can tolerate.
2: That's why you. That's uh, why you have a recurrence right there. You're starving yourself to death. No raw.
7: Well, it's not totally raw. I mean, there's some cooked and then there's some raw. No okay. raw.
2: Okay. You no living thing on this planet eats raw food except for a few very misguided human beings because there is no nutrition of any kind available in raw foods or in juices. Okay. You are not upping your nutrition. You have been downing your nutrition. You have been starving yourself and starving your immune system. What kind of mushrooms are you taking?
7: Uh, I've been eating the button mushrooms. Um, That's
2: a good idea, but you need some medicinal mushrooms as far as I'm concerned. So as I'm concerned, anytime anybody has a cancer diagnosis, even before they decide what they're going to do, what they're going to do is get some medicinal mushrooms. There's two really good companies, one called Real Mushrooms, and they make something called Five Defenders, which is five anti-cancer mushrooms. And the other one is Fungi Perfecti, and they make Host Defense, and they make a community mushroom, which is about 20 different mushrooms and myceliums. With medicinal mushrooms, we know that they work really synergistically. And the more of them you get, the more often you take them, and the higher doses you take, the less recurrence and the less metastasis you're going to experience. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a really right. easy way to really give yourself a step up turmeric and frankincense. Nah. Not going to do it. So medicinal mushrooms. Are you actually going to try to get rid of this little sprinkling of cancer with herbs? That online course, and there's no tests. You don't have to send anything in. It's videos. You watch them, and you decide what to do and when to do it. Um, But I do go into the major herbs that are directly used instead of chemotherapy. And I also go into some things like mistletoe, a mistletoe therapy which is used in conjunction with, chemotherapy or radiation and used very widely in Holland in Israel and Germany where it originated so I'm not an either or person I think that um, there are a lot of things we can do to help ourselves and I also think that modern medicine has a lot to offer us too Mm -hmm.
7: so your book uh, now is it available I guess only through what Amazon?
2: You can certainly get it through Amazon. You can also get it at wisewomenbookshop dot com. Mm-hmm.
7: Okay. Well, as I said, um, in my search, you know, for information and re- resources and modalities to work, and also I've been using the energy healing, um, the emotion and body code. Uh, Wonderful. Finding, finding practitioners on online, meaning through Facebook. Uh, students, when they're at the student level, so they can get practice, and I can get, uh, but it has, but that was been a while ago. And uh, it's just, and then with my work, uh, it's always been so very little and sporadic, so I haven't had the monies to invest in, you know, what I would want to do, you know, getting colonics. Uh, well, get yeah, colonics no! Why would you hurt yourself that way? What not even a coffee in you anyway.
2: done to make yourself be so mean. Okay. What on earth do you think a colonic is going to do besides totally disrupt your gut flora and really crash your nutrition? Now that you've half crashed it, now you're going to totally crash it by sticking a tube up your butt and burn out your gut so that nothing can happen, no good thing can get digested? That's what you want? Well no,
7: but as I said, I'm doing my best to do fine research and to find
2: Well what research have you found remnants. in colonics? Nothing scientific. <laughs> if you've read okay, so anything about else? the human biome, you know that squirting water up your butt is the wrong way round.
7: So what are a couple of suggestions other than eating cooked veggies? Um and other mistletoe. Cooked, I mean cooked Are at least you...
2: an hour. I don't mean warm raw. I mean cooked. Or frozen. Frozen so, just so fine. Eating
7: broccoli, eating broccoli and cauliflower. and Cooked for an hour.
2: Wow. Not raw. You, they destroy your thyroid. Well, not, Eat them I'm raw. Not
7: eating, I'm not eating those raw. I'm cooking those probably... Then when they start boiling, uh, the water starts boiling about three or four minutes.
2: Warm raw, so, uh,
7: destroying your thyroid.
2: Oh. Okay.
7: okay, I'm certainly not understanding why.
2: Okay, let me let me back up one step with you, and let's see if we can if we can set out a big picture. There are three ways to approach healing. The scientific approach, which measures and fixes, you've pretty much had it with the scientific approach. You went to it, you got measured, you got fixed, now you're getting measured, and you don't like what you're hearing, and you don't like the fix that they're saying. The heroic approach, in which you are to blame... And you are a bag of toxins, and we've got to clean you out. And we're going to clean you out by depriving you of meat and depriving you of milk and depriving you of grain and doing colonics and enemas and making you fearful and basically telling you you have to detoxify because blame and shame and guilt – and balance and detoxification of the names of the games in the heroic tradition, which hates the human body. That's what you have fallen into. You have fallen into the pit of the heroic tradition. I represent the wise woman tradition. The wise woman tradition nourishes the whole individual with great love for who we are and where we are right now, using wonderful, nourishing, adaptogenic herbs, simple ceremony and helping people to rewrite the stories that they tell themselves you aren't being punished for doing anything wrong because you have cancer you may or may not be able to rid your body of this cancer if you heard me talking last week I said that I had met a woman who was diagnosed with stage 4 ovarian cancer a year ago, given months to live, she's still alive. She went for surgery. She had three major surgeries. The rest of it she did herself. It will be different for each one of us. I'm not saying that's the way to do it. I'm saying each one of us, when we're faced with a cancer diagnosis, is going to make a different set of choices, and those choices will be unique, and they can build wholeness and nourish health. And that's what I represent. So if you're looking for somebody who's going to say, here's where you sign up for a colonic and eat more raw food, and actually you should fast, you've called the wrong woman. All right. Okay? Because what I'm going to say is drink nourishing herbal infusions and take mushrooms and eat frozen blueberries.
7: uh, Right, make
2: yourself tomato soup Cook your carrots whole Without peeling them or cutting them For an entire hour Barely submerged in water They'll be filled with vicaranol Which is one of the strongest Anti-cancer substances on the planet Mm. That and lots more stuff Is in my book and in my course Mm, I see
7: Uh, So how long is the
2: course? You can watch every video uh, probably within a couple of hours. Or you can just watch some of them and be done in five minutes. Or you can go back again and again and watch them whenever you want to. And you don't have to do anything. There's no tests or lessons for you. Videos I made showing you the plants and how to use them and talking to you about how to help yourself if you have a cancer diagnosis? the wise woman way, not the scientific way and not the heroic way, but the wise woman way
4: mm-hmm. all right
2: okay all right Thank okay, you. thanks for calling. Call again, green blessings, Good night. The
3: next caller is coming from the six one zero area code.
4: Hello. Hi. Hi. Thank you uh, very much for being there for us, Susan, and thank you, Rebecca. Um, I, I recently had um, seemed to have some sort of a viral um, attack. I don't know what to call it, um, but I was pretty sick in bed um, for a couple of days. Um, But the main symptoms were extremely painful swollen glands and a splitting headache and a little bit of body aches, but I didn't have any congestion or um, any stomach upset or any fever. And I treated myself with, um, I had made elderflower tincture this year, which was just ready to use. So... I was using that as an antiviral, and I was using... But it's not an antiviral. Okay, it's not.
2: No, the berry is, but the flower is not.
4: The flower is not. Okay, that was my first mistake. The flower
2: flower is a fever regulator.
4: Ah, and I didn't have a fever. Okay. And I was also using um, St. John's wort tincture, which I made um, for... For the, Like for the body aches and the, and the virus? And the then, body uh, ache cap. is a
2: result of your immune system making things to attack the virus. Okay. So, so I
4: need to treat the virus. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you could, you, I mean, it's not a problem that you do that, but it's not really getting right to the cause of it exactly. Hypericum right. is, however, an antiviral. And it is effective right. against a great range of viruses. You were only sick for two days.
4: No, I was. I was in bed for two days. I was sick for a week.
2: That's still very short for a flu.
4: Yeah, I do you think it was a flu. I mean, I don't know. And and, and I took Skullcap, which I got from Catskill Mountain um, Herbals for the for the headache. Um, so that those were the things that i that i did
2: that's wonderful um, did the skull cap help quell the headache it,
4: yes it it did Um, uh, more after the first day the first day the headache was really really bad um and, and I use ice yeah no split well splitting
2: splitting <laughs> it was like <laughs> yeah
4: splitting <laughs> um uh. so um so i i One of the questions I I had was, so if you can help me understand, like, the action of an antiviral, because I was thinking about this. So once you have the virus, you have the virus, right? Or is that not right? That's right, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, once you have the
2: virus, you have the virus, and now you have to deal with getting rid of the virus.
4: Right, so, but will an antiviral – does it actually shorten the the time that you have the virus for? Usually. Okay.
2: Because that's what you want, right? You want to get rid of the yeah. virus. And so right. that's what and antivirals yeah. do is they help your immune system get rid of the virus.
4: And that sounds, like, really obvious, but yet it's just, you know, I'm trying to, like, just rely on herbs, and this was the first time that I that I did that that I didn't resort to tile at all or whatever. I'm like I'm just gonna, and it wasn't um, it wasn't like uh, uh I wasn't. Well, I was pretty debilitated for two days, but then after that, I was mostly able to mostly able to function. Um, so I you.
2: just I, Stephen, yeah, I was just trying. Steven Booner's trying book, to Antivirals, is a really good reference book.
4: Okay, and I have heard you mention that before. All right, I will write that down. The other the other thing is that I had a similar situation back in the spring of...
2: Let's see. Did you lose
3: me or did we lose her? It looks like she's still connected, but um, here, let's try to this and see if are you back on there maybe you m- muted yourself
2: oh yeah push one push one or whatever
3: um okay she's called there's another number from the same are you there now yes, yes.
4: yes I am I have no idea what happened I apologize that's um,
2: okay no problem
4: <laughs> thank you so I was saying um So I was wondering, I I had a similar situation back in the spring of this year where I had um, such painful swollen glands, and I don't ever remember having that before as like the main, one of the main symptoms of being sick. And I was just wondering if it's possible that there could be some sort of underlying virus that maybe came back or something, um, That is whether or not...
2: That's certainly possible definitely possible for viruses to lie dormant in the body and to be triggered, but it's also possible that tissues that have swollen get swollen again. My sweetheart got bitten by a spider 25 years ago, and many years on the anniversary of that bite, his ear will swell up. Just because. And it might stay swollen for a week be really painful. Look like the spider bit him again, but it's not. It's just like kind of a anniversary swell. Yeah. Right. So, um, but it, it certainly is possible but I don't think that it's really um that important. Right? Adaptogenic okay. herbs, drinking nourishing oral okay. infusions, um yeah. you know okay. getting outside. Those kinds of things help keep your immunity um, so that that cancer does – I'm sorry, so that the the, the virus. virus, which is in suspended animation, just stays like that. Like herpes is said to be like that. Right. Right. Like they yeah. say if you have chickenpox as a child, then you can get shingles as an adult because the virus will just kind of simmer in your body.
4: Right. Right. And then I also noticed and of course, that's late.
2: that's the whole idea by, behind immunizations, right? Is that we give you a little right. bit of polio, you don't get sick from the polio, but then you can't get it because it's still in your body.
4: Right. And I, I, so I was thinking, if that's the case, would it, but you you already answered the question, which is, I was thinking. So does that mean that I should have some use some sort of antiviral? More as a tonic, but you mentioned the using the adaptogens more, and that I could certainly do
1: uh, to help
2: to help yeah. prevent it
4: from coming back.
2: And Stephen okay. Booner's
4: right? All right. Oh, uh, thank you so much. Appreciate it very much.
2: Green blessings. Good night.
4: You too. Green blessings. Good night.
3: We do not have any callers with their hands raised at this moment. Okay, well, have question, I have an
2: article that I brought to class tonight. Okay. Uh, press this 1 if is, you have a question. This um, is um, August twenty seventh, 2019, the Journal of the American Medical Association, and it's called The Effect of High-Dose Vitamin D Supplementation on Bone Density and Bone Strength, a Randomized Clinical Trial. Now, I'm not going to bore you by reading this whole thing because, as you know, it's kind of scientific stuff that is not all that terribly, terribly interesting. But we will cut to the chase. In this randomized clinical trial that included 311 healthy adults, treatment for vitamin D for three years at a dose of 4,000 international units per day or 10,000 IU per day compared with four hundred IU per day resulted in statistically significant lower bone density. Doo, doo, doo. You know, those people out
6: those who know me
2: and those who know, you know, what I have been saying for years and years and years is don't take Any supplements? People, what vitamin D? Everybody needs vitamin D. No, you don't. And look, it's not even that good for you. Now, physicians' first watch commented on this. This is um, by Kelly Young, and um, her article is: High-dose vitamin D might reduce bone mineral density. High-dose vitamin D supplements don't appear to improve bone mineral density in healthy adults, and may even have a negative impact. Mm. About 300 healthy adults, age 55 to 70, were randomized to receive 400, 4,000, or 10,000 IU of oral calciferol daily for three years. The higher the dose, the greater the bone density loss, mm-hmm. and at the highest dose, the 10,000 uh, IU dose, several bone sites were uh, shown to have less bone density. The authors conclude these findings do not support a benefit of high-dose vitamin D supplementation, nor the use of vitamin D for bone. Get out in the sun, use hypericum oil instead of sunscreen, and let the real vitamin D, which is not, oh, my goodness, you see? I love it when they, when they talk real, right? They didn't try to tell you that they were taking vitamin D because they weren't. They took colocalciferol, yes, which is just one factor of vitamin D, and it's not even real because I'll tell you one of the things that, like, if I've been listening, that my teachers have been really doing their best to pour into my ear, year after year, is it's not the goal. It's the wanting the goal. It's not the product. It's a process. And I have come to believe that more and more about vitamins, which are process-oriented enzymes, that it's not the product. It's not the vitamin D. So you can't just take this product and think it's going to have an effect. A beneficial effect on you it's the process it's that complicated process and it is look it up it's a process you go out and you sit in the sun and the sunlight falls on your skin so that the closest you are going to get to photosynthesis and that sunlight falling on your skin actually causes a hormone to be made and that hormone goes to your liver and the liver says oh this is a very interesting hormone I like it. We can turn it into vitamin D kidneys. Would you do a little tweak here? And that will help me. And it sends that down to the kidneys, and the kidneys do a tweak, and that has to come back to the liver, where finally it's vitamin D, and it gets stored. And it's not colicicilverol. It's actual vitamin D. But it's probably not the vitamin D at all. It's probably that whole process that really does it. What do you think about that?
3: I think that there are so many good foods that contain vitamin D, and that like, you can help you <laughs> it too. And um, yeah, and I love spending time in the the sun, so I don't see well, what's the need what for. What foods?
2: What foods contain vitamin D?
3: Can't you get vitamin D when you put your mushrooms in the sun? Yeah, right, uh be contain it. Them. And and also like salmon. Mushrooms.
2: Dried mushrooms, put them in the sun, and they will make vitamin D, and that vitamin D will be in them even after you cook them.
3: hmm And salmon, vitamin D? I don't think and there's any other... vitamin
2: D in salmon. I could be wrong.
3: Okay. And uh, what about egg, eggs, egg yolk?
2: I don't think it's in egg yolk. It's a blood vitamin, and it can be stored in the liver. There's vitamin D in cod liver oil. So pretty
3: much you have to get it from the sun. Even your mushrooms have to get it from the sun. Pretty
2: much. You cod have to get oil. it from the sun. Yes, even the mushrooms are getting it from the sun, exactly. Mhm. So liver, you can eat liver, and you could probably get vitamin D from eating liver, just like taking cod liver oil. <laughs> but there's there are actually very, very few foods that contain vitamin D. There, I think there's supposed to be a trace amount of vitamin D in nettle, but, again, I wouldn't count on it. Get some sun. Yes, they say that from your fingertips to your elbows and your face, if you expose it 20 minutes at the brightest hours between 11 and 2, between spring equinox and fall equinox, and we ain't there yet, get three more weeks. At those 20 minutes, you can make about 20,000 international units of vitamin D, which can be stored in the liver for up to a year and a half. So, yes, it's plenty to get you through the winter, right?
3: Yeah, and a good reason to get outside and enjoy yourself in the garden, outside. Water. Right. <laughs> yeah, we did up, have a a couple people queue up with questions. If you wanna, do you wanna transfer sure. do some questions? Yeah. Okay. The next caller is coming from the nine one seven area code. Hello. Are you Hi, to
5: glad you called back.
3: Yes, um, I had a question. I have ulcers in my mouth. What could I do for that?
2: You have some ulcers in your mouth. Yeah. There are several things that can help those. One of the most dramatic um, is yarrow tincture. And the yarrow tincture is an antibacterial and an astringent, and it will burn and sting, but it will really help close the ulcers up. One of the nicest is honey. And if you can dab honey on the ulcers inside your mouth, the honey will also help the ulcers close up. Mm -hmm. So there you have the yang and the yin of it. And a variety of things in between. One of the nicest in-betweeners uses honey. And that is you mix slippery elm bark in its powdered form um, with honey. You drizzle the honey into the slippery elm bark powder. And you kind of m- mix it together until it's the consistency of pie dough. And then you roll it into balls about the size of a macadamia nut. And roll it in the slippery elm powder so they're not sticky on the outside. And you can fill in a little tin with your slippery elm balls. And then you let one dissolve in your cheek. And if that's uncomfortable or you can't do that, um, you could also um, cut the balls up into little slices and just let a little wafer of it dissolve in your mouth. It will coat your mouth, and it will start the healing process on the ulcers. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for calling. Green Blessings. Good night. Good night. The next caller is coming from the
3: 713 area code. Hello, how are you?
4: I'm doing well.
3: Good. Um. So I'm calling because I have been dealing with um, bacterial vaginitis for probably about four years and I have tried every herbal home remedy I could try. I've used um, remedies suggested in the down there book. I have used um cranberry juice and Saint John's wort tincture were recommended in Witch's Heal, Billy Potts. Um I've tried a variety of things over the past four years and it's just not
2: so that book wanted. never got anywhere. What bad suggestions. <laughs>
3: Oh uh, well, but I have tried the euro. I've tried gar garlic at one point. Uh-huh. I've tried and yogurt.
0: C- c- bark sits
3: Um, I have. It is being very um stubborn to uh, you know, I've taken herbs. Weeks at a time, and it seems almost cyclical, like around my oh, well. I was um, gonna
2: ask you if it's cyclical and if you have a consistent partner, and if it's possible that it's being passed back and forth.
3: So, I um, have had a consistent partner, we use condoms, um, and it you know, I wasn't with them when it started. Um, but I went to the gynecologist, and they gave me a prescription for clindamycin. Um, It's one capsule by mouth twice a day for seven days. So I'm at the point where I'm willing to give the antibiotics, antibiotics a try because it's been four years, and I have given herbs a fair try but I figured I would get your input on clindamycin, or clindamycin and um, also how to protect yourself uh, and restore yourself with the use of antibiotics.
2: I think the most important thing that I can tell you is that although it is Certainly true that taking the antibiotic will get rid of it. You just told me it's cyclical,
3: well, I mean it does it 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 comes and goes throughout my cycle throughout the month, you know, but it's gotten to the point where there are no I'm
2: magic certain- bullets <laughs> that's all I'm saying is, yeah, the yeah, the antibiotic will get rid of it for a while. Okay. And then it'll come back, and then you'll take a stronger antibiotic. Okay. And then it'll come back and then you'll be on daily antibiotics. Okay. And it doesn't have to be that way. I'm a little unclear about how long you you say I've taken herbs for weeks. But Mm -hmm. that doesn't actually give me the information that I need to know. I asked you about an oak bark sitz bath.
5: Mm -hmm.
2: And your reply was that you had taken herbs for weeks, but an oak bark sitz bath isn't something you take. Well,
3: I have used it as a sitz bath, but um, as far as taking herbs, I've done
2: echinacea. I'm asking about the oak bark sitz bath. And you used it how many times?
3: I'm... Probably twice a day for a few days. Not enough. Like a week's time? Not enough. Okay.
2: See, this is is kind of what I, I think is happening. It's a little hard for me to tell. But from the cyclical nature of it, it seems to me like what would be The most useful is Oak bark sitz bath with a visualization. And that Mm -hmm. might alternate with a high berberine sitz bath. High berberine would be golden seal, yellow dock, Oregon grape root, oriental cactus root. The high berberine content is pretty effective against that kind of bacteria. And the oak bark is specific against it. Okay. Now, I understand that the sitz baths are kind of, eh, you know, not so much fun. So what some women do is they soak tampons in the oak bark or anything else that they want to do a sitz bath in and insert that tampon for what they call an internal sitz bath. Okay. So that's, you know, certainly an acceptable thing to do. It will, you know, carry the medicine into the place where we want to have the medicine. And you could just, you know, have some berberine-rich brew hanging around, an oak bark brew hanging around. They'll last in the refrigerator for weeks and weeks and weeks. You don't have to make them fresh each time. Okay. And then either use them as a sits bath or what some people call a finger bath. Or you take some in your hand while you're sitting on the toilet and your cupped palm and just bring your cupped palm up to your genital region and splash it up and use your fingers to bring it up inside the introitus. Again, you know, sitz bath is wonderful because it really saturates the tissues.
5: Mm-hmm. But I understand
2: it can be difficult. Mhm. And that's why I'm giving you some options because m- my sense is if you'd like to put off taking the antibiotic that uh, um, alternation of the oak bark and the berberine rich um, for a couple of weeks I think will bring this out of that cycle. Okay. And Whenever I'm involved in something that's been with me for a long time and it's cyclical and that I want to leave, I ask it, what would you like as a going-away present? Mm. Okay. Okay. Mm. <laughs> And I'm, you could also do all these things and take the antibiotics.
3: Okay. I guess I'm just concerned because, well, I've I've had my perineum is just cracking and bleeding, and I've had painful bowel movements, and then there's blood on the stool. And so I fear that it's, like, become less of an irritation
6: and more
3: of an infection in the body. And again it's not every day, you know, it it could be around when I ovulate or who knows, you know, sometimes the it comes in crack those
2: bleeding reasons. all the time.
3: Um I would say half of the cycle I'm
2: experiencing uh-huh. irritation. And uh, Is there any herbal ointment that is effective?
1: Um
3: I have tried a variety of things. It seems that stuff that is oil-based is um more irritating and I know I've heard people say that the oil causes bacteria to grow sometimes or bacteria can grow in oil Um, How and I've
2: which used has, is which hazel, it? hazel
3: I have used it is very Um, sometimes it can burn pretty badly. yeah I would think so there. <laughs> I'm not uh, sure that oil
2: necessarily makes bacteria grow okay um the scientific studies say that the oil has to be over uh, an eighth of an inch thick for bacterial growth. Okay. That's pretty thick. Yeah. Most of the time we're putting like, what, a, a 64th of an inch coat of oil on the skin. hmm And it's going to be absorbed into the skin, and that's certainly my take on it is don't apply a huge amount, pl- apply a little frequently. hmm Hypericum oil, I like, comfrey oil, you know, calendula. There's just a huge variety of different oils, just depending on what you have. Um, but, again, I find that better than an ointment, which is thickened with beeswax,
7: mm-hmm.
2: which can sometimes tug at and tear those tissues. And, again, if you want to go ahead and take the antibiotic, take the antibiotic. Nowadays, yeah. Nowadays, some antibiotics, and you can check it out online, some antibiotics, actually seem to be effective if you take yogurt with them. Others, they ask you to wait until after you take the antibiotic. Um, In many instances, they are now saying that using too much antibiotic causes your disease to become antibiotic resistant, and so it's better to stop as soon as the symptoms remiss, whereas before they used to tell you, take it all, take it all. Mm hmm And now they've kind of changed their tune on that. Mm hmm So those are some things to go along with your possibility of taking antibiotics. Yeah. Okay. All right.
3: All right. Well, thank you so much.
2: Green blessings. Good night. Good night. Well, it looks like it's time for me to introduce our guest. It is, and she is here. Lorraine Van Twil PhD, CHT, is a licensed holistic psychologist, shamanic, and hypnosis practitioner, woman-speak circle leader, and award-winning author of Amazon Wisdom Keeper, A Psychologist's Memoir of Spiritual Awakening. Lorraine believes that, that the most effective way to nature our spiritually... And re-nature our spirituality, I think is what it's supposed to say. She believes that the most effective way to re-nature our spirituality and denatured patriarchal world is by supporting women's deep wells of wisdom and spiritual missions with personalized dream teams of spirit guides. Okay. She believes in Dream Team Spirit Guides. Her two decades of devotion to highly sensitive women has led to the empowerment of hundreds of fierce and wise transformational trailblazers in psychology, holistic health, academia, the arts, social justice, environmental sciences, and entrepreneurship. Especially through the Soul Sanctuary Alchemy and Own Your Genius Zone signature programs, and her private Facebook group, Empowering Gaia's Goddesses and Global Game Changers. Lorraine is a contributing author of Survive Global, Rebel Society, and Medium. She has presented and provided trainings to master and doctor level therapists and healers. At UC Berkeley Counseling Center, American Center for the Integration of Spiritually Transformative Experiences, the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology, and Native American Health Center. She also provided expert guidance on numerous spiritual podcasts and radio shows and to women's groups nationwide. And we get to be with her tonight. Welcome to the show, Lorraine. Hi Susan. It's
8: such an honor and a delight to be on your show. I hope the sound is good. I have
2: you on speaker. It sounds good. It sounds like somebody's playing the drums in the background. The in
8: the background. Hmm.
2: Okay. It's uh it's a fan.
8: I can do without. <laughs> 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 or I can have you a bit closer to my ear. Okay, good. Uh let's how is
4: it? It's all it's good. It's good, great.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I always enjoy getting people's questions. I don't necessarily ask them in order, and so I'm going to ask the second question first. What were you like as a kid? Ah,
8: I was highly sensitive, very particular, peculiar, wow. and I did not realize it. I think I was as like many other sensitive kids, imploding and blaming myself for being different and the good thing is that I had my planned spirit friends and the Amazon I were I was born and raised in Suriname which is a country right above Brazil and uh, a lot of people don't know much about it but it's actually considered the most tree-covered nation
2: in the world by World Bank so we are right. Was, I had to go to my atlas and look it up because I thought it was an island somewhere.
8: <laughs> it's considered a Caribbean, even though it's part of the mainland or, or South America, because we speak Dutch there. And, um, but in any event, um, there was rainforest all around me, and I was always hiding out, and it was a place of respite. The only way I could make sense of my probably more uh, developed if you want to call it that consciousness is that I latched onto stories such as ugly which helped me to understand um, or helped me to reframe my experiences because I felt free, I felt safe, I felt like myself in the forest or when I just, you know, sort of hid and, and played and roamed in a patch of land across from where I lived or went with my family and um, stayed and and visited places outside of the city. But that's what grounded me. That's what helped me to remain sane. So
2: um, that's a bit of my childhood. In nature, you were surrounded by everything that was highly sensitive. Right. I
8: felt at home. You so, only felt at
2: home. You were at home. You yeah. began to recognize that you were essentially natural.
8: Mhm, mhm. I had a deep understanding of the I found the, the, uh, the absolute
2: and support and necessity of being in nature because the rest of human culture made no sense to me. Mhm, mhm. I can't not have the that, Amazon okay. rainforest. <laughs>
8: But, you know, it's not necessary. There's nature all around us, my story is not unique. My story, uh, it's just, these were my surroundings. This was my context, my cultural context, my physical context. But I work with so many women who can relate to that. Um, And it was interesting to me, I was just thinking today about how big of a tantrum I could grow um, and I was deprived from going, and I wasn't allowed to go very deep into the rainforest as a child because of malaria. And you know how kids have these tantrums nowadays about, you know, getting candy in a store or whatever. I just felt such a draw. And when my older cousins were allowed to go, and I wasn't, I
5: <laughs>
8: was upset for an hour. And I was just reflecting back on that, about that, you know, deprivation or this cool to go deeper in and and that was and that was not the only part of course I had my friends that had other parts that limited so to speak. But at my truest you know, my core self that was what was going on.
2: Yes. Uh, wow. Well how did you get from there to the US?
8: Yeah. That was quite a journey also. I mean, in hindsight, I can see how many of the losses and the traumas I experienced are part of my journey, of course, when I went through it. Um, I wasn't was, as grateful and accepting and tolerant of it. But uh, what eventually happened when I was 10, the country had been independent for about five years conflict arose in terms of where this aid and this developmental aid from uh holland who colonized um would go in any event um a revolution broke out and three years later it was so unbearable um and my family decided to leave um to miami it was many of my friends and other family members fled in the middle of the night in our situation it was a bit more uh, – it wasn't as, as urgent and as, as extreme. We had family members who could receive us, and so we had planned that and got a green card and all that. So um, that's the reason for that first move and then eventually moving here. But that move was so dra- dramatic and tragic for me. I, I mean, it felt like my lifelong had been cut off because I was already – um, relying so much now on the forest being the place of grounding. Uh, other, I call my earliest bear guides, like Anne Frank and Helen Keller and Joan of Arc, uh, through these, these books. Under, my mother was an academic. Um, I was able to conceptualize my story. So I knew I had to hide. I knew that you know there would be time later. And all these insights would come through through the readings and also through dreams. Um, But in the process of it, it it felt quite um, like a death of sorts. And it took me a while to find my footing back and reconnect and sort of go rogue
2: to go get back to my roots. And did you do that with the um, spirit guide dream teams that you're talking about?
8: I, I call it a dream team um, in reference to going in terms and, and sort of in this dream world. But yes, I started collecting, or collecting, do you want to call it that, or I started to have my imaginary friends, that's what I would call it back then. Um, and my guides, um, a lot of um, wise women and men um, from these times, I you know, would collect their sayings in quotes, um, Maya Angelou or Martin Luther King, and sort of collect what they were saying because I wasn't getting this in school, not even in my eventually clinical psychology school. I never knew these two things could integrate. So I would have it on the side and have it plastered all over my notebook. I would say kind of an old, soul, weird kid in that way. And um, and so they helped me heal and figure things out. After years and, and really sort of down in the dark in Miami and getting myself almost in very bad trouble. But fortunately, I was able to skirt all that. But in any event, some of my first clinical psychology, which was the closest, I don't have a lineage, I Was always drawn to indigenous healers and um, healers from the Amazon and just kind of my father, too, watching these documentaries, very low-budget documentaries absorbing all of this so i was i felt like a calling from a very young age to sort of go in that direction but that was just not available in modern society my family was now split and so i was going through traditional schooling and psychology and clinical psychology was the closest so that's um how i eventually got into healing and then got very disillusioned by what I encountered, um which is what my memoir is all about.
2: Ah, my goodness. Wow. You actually had elders and, and teachers and healers where you lived in Suriname, yes?
8: Yes, I, I wouldn't say that they were doing exactly um, what I'm doing now, but it's very common for people there to um, sort of mix and match modern-day medicine with different poems and, and medicine and whenever they have something going on, including my mother, for example, who fell out of a window when she was two, um not speaking and um really traumatized to eventually an Indian, not um indigenous but India from Indian uh from Indian heritage um who eventually helped her. Um so in my culture, yes, and in my household the different people um who had very strong ties to the ancient traditional ways it, as well as the modern ways. Both my parents um, studied in Holland for seven years. My father was an architect. My mother was a teacher and principal of a junior high, so I was just exposed to that whole gamut and trying to make sense of it all, but very drawn always to the ancient ways, and we had a housekeeper, and she was maroon, which is the, the name used for the Descendants of runaway slaves And that was in my maternal heritage as well So the things she would Taught me in the way we connect Was activating something within me At a very young age Even though my parents didn't understand And from my father's side For example his heritage is Hakka Chinese, Taoist And so the things he would say Would make sense to me And so it was a mixture of many different things um, That I was already integrating at a, At a young age
2: Yes like um all the different options available to you, mm-hmm. wow, what a a gift so many of us through multicultural parents and multicultural experiences, now have had that opportunity to
7: mm-hmm. be
2: really a free of doctrine and to find. Mm-hmm. Um, the message that suits us. And you've not only done that, but you've turned around and then helped other highly sensitive women. Can you tell us about your work with other highly sensitive women?
8: Yeah, so um, just fast forward then a bit, I ended up um, in a traditional clinical psychology program. That was like 20 years ago where Spirituality and and the word by the way the spiritual arid uh, um, trying to um, help renature um, spiritual arid and denature world but in any event um, yeah I realized um, as a student in my clinical psychology program that this was nothing that I had envisioned or wanted to um, sign up for. And at the same time, something was coming through that this was my mission. I was not to seek out necessarily what was fully aligned with my calling. It was in the struggle in this kind of exposing and reporting um, what I was experiencing each of these settings in my training as a, a supervisee with a supervisor, as a student in a class, in, in group therapy, in individual therapy, and so on, um, just for education purposes and and really going through it, going through the self-diagnosing part even, which is not unusual for many students to resort to the DSM and start looking at ourselves through that pathological lens, as you talked about. But I think it, it really helped having this fluid identity being multicultural and multiracial, because there was a part of me that knew this is just a bunch of baloney and not really taking on all these oppressive imprints um, and feeling empowered writing about it. So what eventually happened, um, I graduated, um, my undergrad from UC Davis, I went back to the UC system and started to work with students um, And my practice is now in Berkeley, near Berkeley, and I work with a lot of UC Berkeley students. So it just kind of naturally uh, started to click because many of them also are not really interested in becoming holistic and alternative and complementary healers. They really want to stay where they're at. And I love that. I love that they're going to be these trailblazers uh, who have to trust their own intuition and there's nobody, you know, who has paved that way for them, and they're just going to have to forge their path. And um, it it just, you know, as, as I did more of that over the years, now we're talking 20 years or so, um, it, it it became more and more clear that they're highly sensitive, highly gifted in this consciousness area. Of course, there's leaders and gifted people in all areas, but I tend to attract the ones who are, Um, trio blazers, consciousness trio blazers um, in in whatever field that they're in.
2: How spectacular. It's just so exciting to hear you talk about that and to envision that. Is um, that through the soul sanctuary alchemy?
8: Yes, yes, and I saw that you uh, my my teacher um, my master teacher beloved teacher I was a guest on your show in uh, April. So uh, I've worked with many different teachers but she has been the main teacher for almost fifteen years or so and um, adapt hypnosis is a modality that I learned from her and I developed soul century alchemy. Um, over the years, and what it does, it's, um, it integrates more of my clinical psychology background, um, psychotherapy background, meaning, um, let me back up a little bit. So in depth hypnosis, you do a first chance, you connect um, to the highest self or the as part of, of a client and um, could do shamanic journeys as well, but, but what I found And what Isa also um, believes and and the reason why she developed that hypnosis, which is an integration of uh, Buddhist psychology, regression therapy, there's energy medicine, there's shamanic work, um, regression, I think I covered them all. Um, What she believes is it's so important to work with the ego mind, the Western ego mind, because a traditional shaman, for example, from an indigenous or non-Western culture, could do this clearing and of course there's all kinds of promise that happen but the, their mind, the, the, the person that they're working with doesn't have such a misaligned mind and so it kind of would be uh, in, in our modern day society hiring somebody come and help you follow and clear up your space and within two months or maybe even two weeks it's exactly as messy and uh, how it used to be. So what depth hypnosis does is just really look at the adult mind and how we've been conditioned and um, the the things we've adopted and unravel that as well. And I saw that happening even with depth hypnosis where the guides that people would connect with were almost – they parallel, they were a reflection of what the ego mind did. So, for example, you could get a lot of air, like now my, my soul center alchemy works with a tree guide, which is all-encompassing and helps to integrate the acid so below. And then from the four sacred directions all around, really using the body in 3D, um, we have air guides, uh, fire guides, earth guides, and water guides. And so I would get clients, for example, who have a lot of air guides, but never ground or a lot of water guides and have no fire. And so um, I c- connected these elementals with psychological properties or pillars, so to speak, that I felt were essential. So air would be that higher wisdom. you got to know the paradigm you're operating from or you could be problem-solving all day and missing the, the whole point and the root of the issue. Higher is helping with the realignment and especially all of us, I believe, <laughs> need to push um, our boundaries way out or, or what we're tolerating, the space we need, and then realigning that. And then you ground up all that with earth and roots and structure and water can then flush and, and move freely and vigorously, right? So I would get clients who would have just part of that picture filled out because they're ego mind was so molded or so um contracted with the matrix with the way of being that i felt like wow um we need to do a paradigm shift and make sure that this is you know their their ego mind is able to receive even what the guides are trying to bring to them so that's what soul sanctuary alchemy is it's like Allow opening the portals and really using the body, lots of body wisdom, lots of body talk, as well as um, working with these guides to seek to learn how um, healing needs to happen, and and so there's a whole village of different healers that clients then eventually can be referred to, but it starts with just. Uh, Owning, you know, which is the Own Your Genius Own program, which is a bit longer, but learning to just even own all your power and all your energy and getting these superfoods—not um, even nutrition—we're talking about. We're talking about energetic um, that we've denied ourselves and that uh, this culture denies.
2: So you start with the four elements.
8: I start with the tree, actually. You start with... The ass above so dear. yes. The tree is in the heart, and the the um, uh, not the root. one I'm talking about. Um, I'm going in two languages now. Help me out. Um, not the the bark, but the um, not the stem, the trunk, not the trunk of the tree. The trunk of the tree is then aligned with the the, the spine, helping with the backbone. And it's just like the chakras up or, you know, kind of when you're doing yoga, the upper part of yourself, the, the antenna above and the crown and all that is aligned with the upper part of the body. The lower part is aligned with the roots and the tree represents this mythical sacred tree that is all encompassing of all of your energy. And the leaves could be parts that haven't been fully integrated. And what's so amazing about the wisdom of the tree, it's it's supporting your wholeness, even though it that it's apparently doing opposite things like it's moving to the light and the dark or up and down and, um, you know, it's going in cycles and spirals and there's life and death. And um, so all of that richness, that non-duality, we start activating and getting the soul online, like all the places where the fuses have been blown, so to speak, right? We go to the fuse box and get everything on. And then from this space, we're taking a look at the ego mind, the adult ego mind. And the adult ego mind is very interested in, you know, pain, pleasure, you know, keeping you alive, and which has its place. I'm not anti ego at all because if you didn't care, you know, you walk on the street and have a bus run you over and you say, okay, you know, I'll be consciousness, it's okay. But we have to do this intricate dance and collaboration between the two. But when we start with the tree in the center we, the, the ego mind can see how much it takes over and how much it's actually not protecting by being so polarized it could be over anxious and over vigilant and hyper vigilant and, and creating stress in the body when there's more wisdom to come through
2: because highly sensitive people can see can often get into patterns where they become hyper vigilant.
8: Exactly, exactly. So this then, we start with the tree and then we start buffering.
2: Hmm? And so the tree gives them a way to still be sensitive and yet be rooted.
8: Right, right. As well as the four directions.
2: And and then just really out to those four. That's so beautiful. So you have below and the middle and above. And in the four directions, the seven, the sacred number seven, it's all there.
8: Right, exactly, exactly. It's the sacred seven. Air can provide protection in a very interesting They all can provide protection. They all can do many things. But air, just more spaciousness, allows us to um, see what is going on in between the gaps of the usual stories that we tell ourselves, which could be very scary um, because we think we're going to be hurt and this and that and not know how to access more of that creative insight, that higher truth, that long view, that big picture. Um, and that already can shift things before we've done anything else. And then fire, um, where we get to trust the natural heat in the body, just like a fever, um, trying to push things out and invasions, we need to totally learn to trust our anger again. And trust that this is to bring us back to homeostasis and peace. So few of us have experienced that. We know how to do that with a fever, but we don't know how to do that with the anger and heat of our body, uh, where we just short circuit and abort it and do some funky dissociative thing with it. So, yeah, all of that, in embodying that anger or, or just the energy, and then grounding it fully, um, and and having water communicate, um, yeah, all of that.
2: I see that listeners can download your free soul map. Is that true? And how can they do that?
8: Yes. Thank you so much for having me um, share all this. Uh, yes, I have a website, The Sacred Healing Well, and the soul map um, allows. It's another way of uh, fortifying your sanctuary. Um, each of those letters have an explanation what can be done in terms of in terms of specific concrete steps to fortify sanctuary and protect yourself, especially if you're highly sensitive. I think you'll appreciate it very much.
2: And tell us that website again. The, the Sacred Healing Well. The Sacred dot com. Well. Yep. Correct. All right, well, I would just love to sit and talk to you for a whole other hour, but our show is coming to an end, and I'd like to give you the last minute. What would you like to leave in the hearts and the minds of all the listeners?
8: Yes, I'd like to say you're all geniuses. When we look at what the body is capable of in terms of physical healing or, you know, just even when we give birth or see a newborn, that's when we really appreciate the body, But That is happening all the time, every single day, and not just on a physical level. It's happening on a mental level, emotional, psychological, um, spiritual. So appreciate that and try to tap into that deep well of wisdom.
2: Those are beautiful words, Lorraine. Lorraine. Then Twill, thank you so much for being with us tonight. I have really benefited from everything that you've had to share with us. Thank you for helping to reweave the healing cloak of the ancients. And thank you, Rebecca, for helping us remember that herbal medicine is people's medicine. It's the medicine that's right outside your door. Love you, Justine. Good night everybody. Green blessings. Green blessings
3: to you.
8: Thanks so much for having me. Have a wonderful evening.